You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Bucks reporter at ESPN Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Brew Hoop, Frank Madden. Frank, how are you doing? Um, have you, I don't want to say recovered, because there's still probably some bad taste in your mouth, but um, how, how are you doing on this Monday evening? Well, we're a day away from May, and as a Bucks fan, we all know May is not for basketball, Eric. Um, <laughs> May is for postseason and thinking about the draft and uh, thinking about free agency and in this year, thinking about coaching. And um, yeah, I, I feel like there's a million topics that we'll be talking a lot about over the next weeks and, and months. Um, but certainly it was interesting to see the exit interviews over the weekend and some comments about all those topics. And <laughs> I'm sure that uh, we will get into some of those uh, here in a few moments. But yeah, I'm uh, yeah onward and upward, Eric. You know, it's the off season. Gotta gotta always next year, right? There, there's most certainly always next year, and it's a phrase that we've grown all too accustomed to using uh, this time of the year. But. All right, uh, exit interviews. So every season after. The Bucks lose and don't win an NBA championship the day after. They clean out their lockers, and uh, then they're kind of given the opportunity to talk to media members. Uh, and the, the hope is that they will. They are certainly encouraged to do so, but that doesn't mean uh, every player will end up doing so. And I guess thinking about that a, a little bit, uh, I'm trying to think of the guys that didn't end up talking Um, We didn't get a chance to talk to Jabari Parker, um, who will be brought up throughout this podcast and throughout, uh, I think, this entire offseason. We didn't get to talk to John Henson, um, which I guess might not be a huge surprise just because of injuries and and things of that nature. Um, We didn't get to talk to DJ Wilson. Uh, We did not get to talk to... True Milford man, DJ Wilson. (laughs) Neither seen nor heard. Um, let's go with. Uh, I'm trying to think through. We did not talk to Chris Middleton. We did not talk to Tony Snell. Not that Tony Snell is a man of many words, but uh, we didn't, we did not talk to Tony Snell, Tyler Zeller, and then either the two way guys we did not talk to. We did not talk to Brandon Jennings, um, and I don't think I remember talking to Thawmaker. 
So it was limited, and <laughs> it would have been easier to say who was there. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Right? I guess it's just about half and half of guys that we got to talk to, and uh, that was kind of the case last year as well. But this year we did at least get Giannis, um, who's someone that you know from time to time you don't get. We got Eric Bledsoe as well. Um, so we did get some of the guys, which is which is nice. We got Joe Prunty, uh, and then it. I, I'm pretty sure we're gonna get to talk to John Horst here in the next little while. Um, he was not available to us on Sunday, but it does sound like he's going to be available in the next week or so, um, which I, I guess to me would kind of, and we can transition into Joe Pronti talk here, but I would assume that means we are going to hear in the coming days that the Milwaukee Bucks are opening up uh, the position of head coach and Joe Prunty will get a, an opportunity to interview, but uh, it will be open rather than uh, an announcement that the Bucks have agreed to an extension uh, with Joe Prunty. So uh, I know that I think I saw some people like tweeting about that. Like, why haven't we heard that the Bucks aren't retaining uh, Prunty or something like that? And I, that'll come. Um, that, that'll definitely come. So, um, I guess let's start with Prunty in talking to Prunty a little bit. Obviously you kind of go through the season and how, how he thought he improved things that he could do better, uh, different guys on the roster, how they all gelled together was the season of disappointment. Um, all of those things, the, I, I thought the most newsworthy thing was, uh, he was asked by Janeiro Armas of the Associated Press, do you have any sense of how things proceed from here? And he just said, you know, I don't really know step by step how all of this works, but um, ownership and management has been very honest and open about all of that with me. So um, he he didn't really commit to anything. And then Janeiro asked a follow up to ask, is it safe to say that you'll be a candidate, you'll apply? And Joe responded, yes, that was part of the when this all happened, it was that I'd be given the opportunity, and yeah, that's still the case. So, um, Joe Prunty will apply for the head coaching position, um, and I don't. Do you, think, do, you, do, you, do you think the the honest, the open and honest dialogue has included a yeah, you're not getting this job comment? <laughs> or, um, it might not be think, that not open. That, it, not not that level of honesty, I guess. Huh? Yeah, I don't think you want. You know, you never want to go into a hiring process with the the person you want to hire already in mind. So you know, maybe he could have an incredible interview and uh, and change their mind. There's there's no way of knowing, Frank. Yeah, I mean that was certainly the case last year. Uh, the Bucks clearly had no idea who who it was in mind for for getting the the GM job. So um, <laughs> something something tells me. Uh, what would, by the way, what would be the equivalent of 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 last summer's GM search? What would be the equivalent of that for the head coaching hire? Would that be like Brockhammer, uh, St- St- Stacy, Stacy Hogman? No, it'd be like it'd have to be Brohammer, right? Because yeah. he's like a younger young young guy. Stacy Hogman, I don't even. Uh, Stacy Ogman just has bad suits. I'm not sure what else. What else, Stacy? Jeez. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know what else. A Stacey plastic man does. shot. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Wow. Shout out to Stacy Ogman. Uh, yeah, I'm. I remember watching him back in Atlanta back in the day. With those like he had that like weird. My 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 best friend and I used to do an impression back in like the 90s of like Stacy Ogman and his like lefty weird sort of like praying mantis style of basketball yeah, he's um, he's got a he is strange basasketball style yeah strange strange style. and the fact that he's a lefty kind of made it weirder Agreed. um 
Anyway, all right, now that I'm done slandering uh, Stacey Ogman, who seems like a perfectly lovely guy. Um... Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think we'll, like I said, I think we'll find out in the coming week or so that that's going to get opened up, and then all the news will start to break about who they will be interviewing and things like that. But um, to me, that was the most newsworthy thing out of out of Prunty. And um, I know I've said it before, I don't necessarily envy uh, the position Joe Prunty has put in. Like, filling in as an interim coach is really never a great spot in you know the the results i think are capped to a certain level like you can only have it go so well and even if he would have won a playoff series i I doubt he's coming back the next season um even if he won two series i doubt that he's coming back the next season like it would have had to be a really special magical run for uh this bucks organization to believe in him so again not fun for him but he did get to be an NBA head coach and he did get a chance to kind of prove himself and, and show his medal a little bit. And we'll see if he gets another head coach job down the road. It seems unlikely to me, um, but that could be fine. Like he's been an assistant for a long time. I'm sure he will catch on somewhere else. Uh, if he is not an assistant on the next staff here in Milwaukee. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's sort of one of those, uh, you know, and, th- and this happens in, in every profession, right? Like the, good soldier you know gotta let you go how do we set you up to go out um in a way that is you know not a hard landing i guess um and so letting him interview and and so he can say well he interviewed for the bucks job right i mean that's that's sort of a and again it doesn't really cost the bucks anything other than you know people on twitter complaining that he's he hasn't been outright fired or you know why are you even bothering with that so you know it's kind of one of those ways you can do right by a guy and uh and let him you know go go into whatever the next job is uh with something beyond just oh he got fired right yeah. um jason kidd he got fired uh <laughs> joe prenti is just you know we'll, we'll just i guess you'd say will not be retained as as head coach but um i know so i know you and and our friend eric benning recorded like uh, like a Ken Burns anthology series on <laughs> the next Bucks head coaching uh, p- potential hires and for background, I think what when did you did you guys record it last Thursday? Was it? Yeah, it would um, have been. Bucks are still playing. Yeah, I think Thursday sounds right. Okay, so you recorded last Thursday, and I and I joke about that because we were going to record um, like a, a preview type thing for the weekend uh, game seven, and you just ended up continuing to be on that that podcast for forever so uh i had to wait which of course is not a big deal but i i had to wait a while to uh to actually then do our whatever other stuff um so you've got a whole bunch of that which i have not heard and i'm i've been in suspense and so i'm curious to see sort of how it how, what kind of uh thoughts you guys had and i guess as background eric was doing a bunch of research on assistant coaches in particular um which is an area that obviously tends to be kind of a black box um for everybody but i thought that it was very interesting we've mentioned you know our uh friend kevin arnovitz uh always does his annual look at like the top assistants and i thought this you know what eric uh did sort of dovetails pretty nicely with that and obviously the conversation that you guys had i am guessing will will shed a lot of light on guys like nick nurse and Tori messina and becky hammond and at all like all those types of guys right yeah, um, it. I mean, we do talk about some of the 
uh, former head coaches that are now looking for positions once again, which um, as we were reflecting on it, maybe we didn't spend enough time on those guys, um, but they were a little bit further down on our list than some of those other people. So we will uh, we will have that coming up here in the next uh I guess on tomorrow's podcast, we'll do that. Uh, So we'll have some of that coming out tomorrow um, as we kind of try to let in, I I guess just the, the general idea is, is that we record a podcast, discuss them, and then there will be like a master uh, Google doc and a master post on brew hoop that you can look through and see like links to some of their like coaching notes and YouTube links because uh, a lot of these other coaches have either been a head coach elsewhere um, in like international competition or something uh, that isn't the NBA, whether that's G League or or whatever. So uh, the goal was kind of just to compile information and then hopefully from our conversation people throw in their ideas as well and then we can find even more information and compile even more information and then hopefully by the end of it we've created this like master guide for bucks fans so that when we discuss coaches it's not why well, like this guy because he's good and smart and his offense is good like okay let's look learn some more details about it. And then hopefully you should be able to go to that document, find some details about it. And hopefully that means the conversation we may have about potential head coaching candidates is more well-informed than I like my guy and your guy sucks. Um, Which again, maybe people don't actually want to have that conversation, but if they do want to have that conversation, we would like to create a place where they can kind of have that. So we will do um, all of that on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, Other stuff from exit interviews. um, We kind of, we had Giannis for a while. I think that's probably... Actually, some other news. Uh, Jason Terry said that he would like to play another year. Um, and when asked kind of about where, he, he made it seem like Milwaukee would be the spot that he would like to do it, um, which I, I guess is kind of interesting to me. And I'll, I'll let you give your thoughts here on this in a second. But with that, I'm I'm interested because I just remember on Media Day and throughout the last couple of years, I've talked to Jet and... I think one of the things that was always appealing to him here was that Jason was Jason Kidd was the head coach and that I think Jason kind of allowed him to do some of the things that he would he would like to do going forward like I know he talked about like being a part of some coaches meetings and um, like seeing how coaches were prepping guys for certain situations and and stuff like that so um, I guess To me, it was just generally interesting because uh, you know Jason Terry is looking towards what he can do next as well. Like Obviously, he wants to play uh, for 20 years, like you said many times before, but he also wants to go into coaching or uh, go into like front office work. Like He he wants to continue to be a part of basketball, and I always thought that with Kid around, he kind of got those opportunities in like like an internship kind of way, if that makes any sense. Like he, He was kind of... He, he wasn't doing those things full-time, but he kind of got to see some of that stuff. And I'm almost curious if, as the offseason goes on, we, Jason Terry signed late this year. Um, yeah. So I almost wonder if that goes on. Does someone else come up and say, yeah, you can do those things for our team? Like, um, like 
maybe Jerry Stackhouse gets hired or something. And uh, I think they played together in Dallas, if I'm trying to remember timelines right together. Um, like Maybe that's a situation where Stack's like, yeah, come to this team where we have young guys or whatever and you can do some of those same things because I don't know if that same connection um, will exist for him in Milwaukee but I don't know what do you think yeah just in terms of timing so two years ago Jet signed August 22nd 2016 Uh, this past summer not until September 18th 2017 so which makes sense right like the older the older you get the less sort of excited teams are going to be to sign you and um I, I think it's an interesting question with jet too because as you said i mean he was boys with jason kidd that's yeah. pretty much my only like real negative about jason jason terry i mean he is what he is obviously he's a freaking 40 40 year old nba basketball player <laughs> like you know i mean yeah I can't, to expect him to be like some you know, two-way, really good player still. I mean, that, you know, that that's just, that's not realistic. Um, but for a guy who, again, like, he was always the bar for these young shooting guards who inevitably disappoint, <laughs> disappointed, yep. right? I mean, it's like, all right, Rashad Vaughn, go prove, <laughs> go prove what's wrong, that you can go beat out a 39-year-old man at the time. Didn't happen. You know, all right, Sterling, you know, go go beat out this, for this, this, 30, not 40, for this now 40-year-old guy. And for the most part, you know, didn't, didn't really happen. And, you know, to, to Jet's credit, um, you know, he had a positive net rating this year. Somehow, some yep. way, the Bucks always seem to be better with him on the court <laughs> than off the court. And, and again, not that there's any rhyme or reason to that, but um, I kind of joked in the playoffs about how, you know, man, maybe the reason the Bucks are always better when he's in the game is just because he's had good coaching at some point in his life. He used yeah. to, you know, play for Rick Carlisle and, um, you know, uh, just has, has had a level of success versus – a lot of the Bucks' young players have pretty much just only really seen what you know Jason Kidd has to offer, and um, you know, or maybe a little bit of Larry Drew. And so, <laughs> shocking that they haven't necessarily been super well schooled. And you know, Jed always sort of knew his role and knew that it, it was his job to get the ball to Giannis and, and to lesser extent Jabari and Chris. And um, you know, he kind of just played played in his lane, maybe better than most people. But um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I have obviously always been a Jet proponent, sort of in in the abstract. But um, you know, at some point you got to have better players than jet. <laughs> um, yep. and, and again, I think there may be a, there, there will likely be a roster crunch this summer, just given how few roster spots there are. And uh, I think, you know, it'll be interesting. You hope Sterling Brown, you know, plays a bigger role and then we'll see, um, with the Bucks first round pick, maybe they buy a second round pick. Would any of those guys, um, also be shooting guards? And then what do they do in the summer, you know, with, with other signings? So, um, so yeah, I think certainly jet will be kind of a make, make a call at the end of the summer type guy. And, um, I think there's something else to be said is, I mean, as much as I like jet and he was super fun as, you know, a, a guy who got the crowd going and all that. I mean, just as we talk about maybe coaches, you know, like locker rooms needing new coaches. I, I mean, the, the locker room may also need new vets, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't know. And it's not to say that I'm not going to say like, Oh, that uh, jets message got stale. And that's why the bucks weren't <laughs> as good as we wanted them to be. You know, I mean, whatever, I have no idea. Right. But, um, you know, it's it's a it, chemistry and how locker rooms operate and all that stuff. Um, we're going to see a new coaching staff, and you know, it, it may be a positive as well if we see some new some new blood in the locker room. And, and again, that stuff, you know, we'll we'll see if that happens with any of the, the key guys. But it may be that you know the the changes are going to be more around the fringes, and and certainly that might include Jet. So again, 
he he was fine. I mean, he does an incredible job of staying in shape. I mean, pretty remarkable that he can yeah. still play at this level at his age. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be a better sign for the Bucks if they don't need to sign Jason Terry next fall again. Yeah, and and like you said, like I'm not trying to say go in a young cheap direction like i still am very much proponent of veterans like i've written many words about veterans and kind of the impact that they can play um but at the same time maybe maybe jet isn't that guy maybe a a 35 year old instead of a a 41 year old uh for next year so we'll see maybe maybe we get vince carter as our 40 plus year old guy right (laughs) maybe maybe that would be the maybe that would be the move so um all right malcolm brogdon talked a little bit he talked about expectations and kind of what they expected. He mentioned that their expectation for this season was an Eastern Conference Finals trip. Does that surprise you? Um, well, I I think the realistic goal was always to, uh, it, it, until you win a playoff series, <laughs> your goal is to win a playoff yeah. series. That, that would be my view, right? And I um, joked somewhat, well, very cynically, somewhat frustratedly, um, that, you know, the buck streak of not making the second round or not getting out of the first round of the playoffs is, you know, can now go see R rated movies. (laughs) And, uh, next year by next spring, we'll be able to say that, uh, you know, and and hopefully it gets snapped, but you know, until that happens next year, it'll turn 18. So it'll be able to fight in wars and vote in elections and, (laughs) you know, drink beer in large parts of most, most of Canada. Um, and that's not great. That, that is, you know, it's, it's crazy to think how, what a large proportion of Bucks fans, have never seen this team win a goddamn playoff series. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's institutionalized mediocrity at sort of like the, you know, the, 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 the most basic level when, when you can go two decades without getting past the first round of the playoffs, without winning 50 games, without really coming close to 50 games. So, um, you know, again, I think next year, I think the goal again is 50 wins. And I think, again, the goal has to be get out of the first round. And, um, you know, until until you do that, it's it's kind of hard to take seriously unless you make some huge move that I don't for, you know, if you add Kawhi Leonard or something, well, OK, yeah. maybe then you say, like, let's get to the second the 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 East finals. But until that happens, if you've got basically the same core um, and hopefully, a you know, a new shiny coaching staff, you know, let's let's say that the second round trip is a reasonable goal. But um, again, this franchise, this team, uh, how do they do with expectations? Not well at all. And um, again, I'm, I, every year I kind of hesitate to ever have expectations or, or set a high bar just because they just never live up to it. And it just doesn't seem that they can, they can you know, ever play with, with expectations. Only when sort of everybody's sort of let down do they, do they seem to feel comfortable. Yeah. And, and I, to me, I'd, I think in the past I felt more comfortable like saying, okay, don't expect anything out of them. But they have Giannis now. I'm going to expect things out of them. They have to be better. Um, so we'll see going forward. But I, I thought it was interesting that they were aiming as high as Eastern Conference Finals. And, I mean, I think it speaks largely to uh, the talent that they have. And I think the the step forward that they thought Giannis was going to take, which he did take, and uh, just all the things that they thought they could do and uh, all the things that they failed to do this season. So um, that was one other thing. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else before uh, getting to Giannis. Um, I don't think there is. Um with Giannis, um, I think a, a couple of interesting things uh, for him. I'm trying to decide where to start exactly. Um, let's go with 
Let's not start with Jabari because that's that was the headline, and I feel like there's a couple other things that are worth talking about first. Sure, let's go with. So Giannis was asked kind of what his summer looks like, and this is something that we talked about. Oh man, I'm trying to think exactly when it was. I guess when we first found out that he did it, but at the start of the season, he talked about how last season. Two days after the season, he was in Dayton working out with Costas. Uh, then he was in Spain, and then he was in Greece, and essentially he just worked out the entire summer. And then we obviously heard about uh, him with the national team and uh, the knee injury, keeping him out and all that stuff. And I guess one of the things that I had kind of said at that time is like, Somebody has to stop him. Like, either he needs to be mature enough to stop himself, or someone has to step in and say, dude, take two weeks, take a month. Like, you need to do that. And uh, he mentioned all of that about, you know, finding some rest and doing a little bit more. And he mentioned all those things that two days after the season, he was working in Dayton and then he went to Spain. And he said this year, he knows that, you know, he needs to take a little bit more rest. And I had asked, like, do you know what an ideal plan is for your knee to get right? And he said, oh, well, my knee's fine. And it was just like, well, I don't, I don't think that's like, like your knee might feel fine right now. Um, but we've we've been, I guess it's been explained to us that you need to rest and that the only way for that need to get better is to rest more. And uh, I don't, it was just, it was kind of a, a confusing interview to me because it flew in the face of everything I had heard. Like I had expected to hear, oh yeah, we're going to have me take off this month or if, shit at least these two weeks like i'm not going to do anything until the middle of may or anything like that and it was strange to hear it and then today to see him instagram or tweet or whatever it was a picture of him again working uh working out at the facility and it was just like really like, what what is going on here? And again, maybe he's not doing a full workout. Like that that could totally be within reason. Maybe he was just there to uh, get a little treatment, and that was gonna be it. But again, I I think there's I I know I am legitimately concerned that he will not actually help himself out, and he will not actually take the time off that he needs to take off for his need to get right. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I, I had a, maybe a more charitable or more charitable or more optimistic reading of it. I mean, because he did say, he, you know, he I think he specifically mentioned trying to rest up his ankle and then saying, and then he had the comment about like, oh, the knee's good or, you know, something to that effect that his mm-hmm. knee wasn't bothering him, um, which is probably how we got into this mess in the first place. Like last summer, he just probably felt like, oh, my knee, my knee isn't hurting me, therefore... I can just do whatever I want and, you know, I'm going to be reactive about it rather than proactive. And, um, again, I think, you know, there've been, there's been lots of debate about, you know, when, what the bucks did know or should have known, or, you know, should they have rested him late last season or whatever? And it's just like the bucks training set, like every, even people who are cynical about the bucks and management, things like that. I mean, pretty much everyone agrees. Like the bucks performance staff is really good. You know, like Troy Flanagan, Sookie Hobson, that group, um, they're very good at their jobs. And if they thought that Giannis was in any way, in, you know, risking himself by doing what he was doing, then 
you would have thought they would have done something about it, right? And so, yeah. again, like why exactly he was working out all summer and then even going to Greece. And then, you know, you mentioned someone had to stop him. Well, it was Suki going to China or whatever <laughs> yeah, um, to meet him and basically saying like, okay, you're, you're, you can't do this. Um, I, I, you know, I think there were probably lessons learned. And again, like, you know, in hindsight, yeah, like they should have, you know, again, I don't, it's not as simple as just shutting him down. Right. Cause you treat, I don't think you'd like treat something just by telling him to go sit on a couch. Mm-hmm. Um, but there could have been things that were done and, and, presumably they weren't done because he ends up going to Greece and trying to play for, for the national team before having to be shut down. So I think this summer, um, you know, he talked about a little while ago, he admitted, um, I think, and I think it might have, was that in the Greece, the Greek or in, in Euro hopes, maybe that he basically said like, Oh, I don't, I'm not as exclusive explosive as I can be. Yeah. And so I'm going to take, you know, and basically treat it, take the summer off or, you know, effectively take the summer off from, from national team and stuff. And then I'm going to come back next year and I'm going to be a lot better. And so I think he's been, you know, there's there's background of him kind of talking about trying to take it easy. And then I think that was really what I took from the discussion on, on the at the exit interview was that even though he sort of like, you know, d- dismissed sort of the idea that his knee was hurting him, he did acknowledge fundamentally that like I got to, you know, last last summer he wasn't smart like i yeah. think he really he it was obvious that he realized that he should not have done what he did last summer and he needed to take a break and he needed to kind of be more mindful and again like you know taking the picture of him at, <laughs> at the gym today or whatever um to me that's also partly probably just like you know social media bs like yeah you know guys being obsessed with showing how much they work out and all that stuff and obviously Giannis has his reputation and you know it kind of as you said like it may very well have been Giannis going in and, you know, getting some shots up or whatever it might be, maybe doing some treatment. Um, but it, not that he was out there for, you know, three hours getting put through <laughs> his paces the way, you know, Jason Kidd would have run them through a really hard practice or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the positive is that everybody knows what happened this year. <laughs> yeah. And the positive also is that, I mean, if Giannis's knee isn't hurting him, that's a positive, you know, even, even if it's not like a, you know, clean bill of health forever, he still has to be mindful. Hopefully now everybody knows what they have to do this summer. And again, hopefully next year we don't see the same type of issues that we saw this year, which again was, you know, it was a little bit hard to diagnose because we're just seeing him get rested. And, you know, obviously he's a little defensive about, I don't think he wants to admit when he's hurt. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I thought the Giannis injury stuff, I'll take a positive reading of it that they're going to be more mindful of it. And they seem to be very, you know, wary of, of having the same thing happen again this year. And um, again, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that, that that means that Giannis will never have to sit out a game next some next year because of knee soreness. But um, at the very least, they can do everything they can to make sure that that he's feeling pretty good. Because, you know, again, as we see with some of these other stars, you know, I mean, you see Kawhi Leonard. I mean, literally, his whole relationship with the Spurs is now in doubt because of mismanagement of an injury. Yep. We see Kyrie Irving, you know. Um, I, he should be okay for camp next next fall. I mean, you know, again, he had screws in his knee that got infected, kind of a freak thing. Um, but you just never know. You know, you get these guys get some soreness here, soreness there. You just never know what what that might mean, how it might manifest itself down the road. And so you have to just be, you know, very very cautious, and you just hope for the best. And again, you look at what's happened with some other guys. You you're just sort of thankful that at least knock on wood so far Giannis has been able to kind of seemingly manage it and again hopefully be smarter about it going forward um the next thing he was kind of asked about was Joe Prunty as the coach and um if he wants to have any say 
in in that and uh, i think it's an interesting topic and there was uh, an interview my friends at espn madison did uh with brian windhorst and i guess i'm going to start there and then we can get to what he said but wendy said that you know there's times where you know you get to a spot in your career where you want to have that type of uh that type of influence, let's say, on the coaching staff. And then there's other times where if you have that, then if you go to if, if things go wrong and you go to the the organization and say, I don't like the coach, they'll just come back and say, Well, you picked him. Yeah. So that's figure it out. Like you this is the guy that you wanted, so you have to deal with having that guy. So uh, to me, that I think is a good point because Giannis is 23 years old. Um, he's still, as much as we, we talk about him as a superstar and being one of the best players in the league and entering his prime, like he is just entering his prime. Like he isn't, he hasn't been there for years. He hasn't been established. He's not a 10 year NBA veteran. And that can lead to some awkward kind of situations where if you do say, I really want this coach, well then it better work because if it doesn't, then you are responsible because you said you wanted that guy. Um, so his answer was largely that, like that's the decision the front office gets to make. Uh, my job is to be ready for the game and get my ready, get my teammates ready for the game. Um, if coach Pronti can help this team, then obviously we want coach Pronti to be here. So I thought he kind of sidestepped that, uh, before, I'm trying to think exactly. I mean, it's a bullshit question, right? Like, it's kind of a yeah. bullshit thing to ask a guy. Like, for sure, effectively, do you want? And and, the, and look, I like, mean, it's no so surprise guys, like, that the person right. that asked it asked a bullshit question. Like, right. of course, right? And and you know, Mark Stephen Curry defended Mark Jackson, and you know, uh, Giannis defended Jason Kidd, which Correct. may have been more genuine, just because Giannis is super nice and hasn't really known. Uh, anything different other than that year of Larry Drew, which Game of Zones did a nice job, like yeah, highlighting. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, basically, like if you're nice and not a jerk, you'll defend the, yeah. the coach you have, and that's just the way it is. And so it's just sort of like a like, all right, we're the media, we we feel obligated to ask this question. All right, let's get it over with. Yeah, and then I'll sidestep the answer because. You know, I mean, what do you, what the hell do you want me to say? Right. That, that should be the answer to that that question. But I think that was diplomatic. And I agree, as you said, I mean, Giannis is not the kind of guy anyway, especially at this stage of his career where, I mean, what does he even know about the coaching (laughs) candidates even? Right. I mean, I mean, seriously, right. Like, like, like it's one thing. I think Daryl Moore was asked about what he, what role James Harden had in hiring Mike D'Antoni. And, they actually, I think, knew each other somewhat from like Team USA stuff. So it was like they had some semblance of a relationship. Um, but it wasn't like Harden had to rubber stamp. It was, I think, the way Maury characterized it was more like they just sort of double checked that, like, you know, there's no like issue here, right? It wasn't <laughs> yeah. like, it was like, hey, courtesy, this is the direction we plan on going, you know, if you have any, <laughs> you know, the, the, if if anyone were to object to this, you know, speak now or forever hold your peace. It was more like one of those, not yep. like, hey James, let's let's go over a list. Let's build a list <laughs> together and then figure out who we're gonna hire. You know, it wasn't one of those. And um and again, so I agree, yeah, I think it makes sense that Giannis would not be super active in this process. Um, because again, I think, you know, for the most part, um, 
he's going to you know play hard for whoever comes in and it's the front office's job and ownership's job to make sure that they hire somebody who's going to put him in the best possible position to succeed the one thing i thought was interesting was a little bit after that he had gone on to say something about like if you can contribute you go on this side of the line and uh, i want you to be on that side of the line and that's great if you don't contribute well you go on this side of the line and then this isn't about being being mean or anything like that like it's just about being professional and being honest like if you can contribute then obviously you step over the line and we want you to be there and we want you to be a part of it and i thought that was interesting to me just because i think you could kind of tell um that Giannis is at a spot where he's not just going to be kind of passive about the guys that play for him and or the guys that play with him excuse me um and the guys that play for this team like he would like to let the front office know like you got to do good like you have to have good players around here like we need uh solid guys uh to be here with me in Milwaukee and and I did think that was stronger than the prunty answer and it of course was going to be because Giannis isn't an asshole he isn't going to say Joe's bad at his job like he's <laughs> like that's just not something he would do but the other stuff like if you can contribute if you can help the team then we want you here and uh, I thought that was a, I don't want to say strong but like one of the more firm things that he said and I think you could kind of get some idea into the way that he kind of views this yeah for sure and again you know for for I think the Kawhi Leonard story is always instructive because if the Spurs of all teams can screw up a relationship with Kawhi Leonard of all people, then anything is possible in terms of like relationships going bad. Um, so we have to appreciate that things are positive with Giannis and that yeah. he is the kind of person that, you know, is generally going to, I think, give the benefit of the doubt. Um, but, you know, again, doesn't change the fundamental pressure on the Bucks to get this right because, you don't get this right and you know two years from now Giannis is still you know the uh the the streak of not making the second round of the playoffs is up to 19 years um the man stuff stuff's gonna change pressure changes external pressure internal pressure all that stuff changes and you know you can't take any of that stuff for granted absolutely all right we'll talk about one more thing before we get to the jabari stuff which as you mentioned was kind of the headline of all of this and i'd asked Giannis a question it's the i mean it's the form question that i asked that i asked really every off season um during these exit interviews is like how do you want to improve for next year what is it that you prioritize like how are you how do you feel like you can impact the game at a higher level? Like how, how do you approach this off season? Like, what are you trying to work on most? And obviously you throw the jump shot in there because that's always, you know, what he's trying to get better at and how he's trying to improve. And um, I think that's the thing that people always say, like, well, if Giannis gets a jump shot, he'll be God. I don't know. Um, So I asked about all that and I thought it was interesting to hear him say that like the thing that he was most concerned about was, Obviously, yeah. Like, if he can, if he can shoot this jump jump shot, that's great. And he was like, "I feel like I got a jump shot. Do I shoot it every time? No, I don't. But that's because I know that my team wants. That's not what my team wants me to do every time. And it, it was just interesting that the thing he's most focused on was how do I take over the game for longer periods of time. 
Like, how can I take control of the game when I want to take control of the game? Whether that's early to set a tone or that's late in the game, like, how do I do that? And the guy that he mentioned, and this is a guy that he... seemingly the only other guy in the league he tends to mention even even though Kevin Durant says nice things about him and other people talk about him and you can compare him to other players like the guy he always brings up is LeBron James and that's the guy that he wants to be which I mean if you're gonna aspire to be someone I I think that would be the guy that I would choose yeah especially given Giannis's stylistic tendencies and you know the all-around game he has and and you know the fact that they both had sort of a similar Achilles heel early in their careers um it makes sense right like he's he's always the only guy I mean he's not you know Giannis isn't gonna say I'm gonna model my game after Dario Saric right that would be that'd be kind of weird um so (laughs) so yeah LeBron is the only answer and you know I think watching this first round series with with LeBron I mean you really have to appreciate that LeBron in year 15 just basically says my team isn't very good, so you know what? I'm going to go out and score 40-plus every night <laughs> and yep. drag this team kicking and screaming to the second round of the playoffs. And, you know, again, I think a lot of us probably, you know, kind of kind of hope maybe maybe could Giannis go, like, nuclear in Game 7 and, and take his LeBron leap, and didn't happen. You know, he's not yep. there yet. And, um, again, as much as, you know, Giannis's regular season numbers are right there with, with many of or most of um, LeBron's uh you know, again, the the playoffs are are a different beast, and uh, obviously Giannis is is not LeBron playoff LeBron uh, by any stretch of the imagination at this point. Imagination at this point, so um, for sure that that's the guy who makes sense. And by the way, I I was expecting you to say something about him trying to work out with Kobe, which you t- talked about, um, because you were the one who broke that, did you not? You weren't weren't you the first person who got Giannis? <laughs> Uh, on the record, talking about Kobe Bryant, working out with Kobe Bryant this summer. Oh, just let me stretch my, my oh, get my arm back here to pat myself on the back. <laughs> yeah, that was me. <sighs> no, but it, it was. Uh, he was asked about that again by Telly Hughes, and I mean, he said similar things. Like, I, I would love to work out with Kobe, and you know, get in touch with him, figure out a couple days uh, to work on his footwork and mentality. And I, I think the thing that's interesting is that Kobe, and this is all just kind of fascinating to think about the way that his brain works, but. Kevin Artovitz wrote earlier this year that LeBron's camp approached Giannis about coming to work out with That's LeBron, right, yep. and he turned him down. Like, and right. he only talks about being LeBron. He doesn't talk about being Kobe. He'll talk about, you know... Thank God, right? Like, have it, he, absolutely. But he'll talk about having, like, Kobe's mentality every once in a while. Like, yeah. the, when I first talked to him about working out with Kobe, he said, you know... It's about my mentality, about my footwork, but he never talks about playing the game like Kobe. And it's fascinating to me that he clearly wants to play the game like LeBron. He might take things from Kobe, his mentality, his footwork, but he wants to play the game like LeBron. But it seems like he's too damn competitive uh, to work out with a guy that's still in the league. Like he just, uh, to me, that's the best reason I can get for why you turn LeBron down is like, well, Dude, you're in my conference. I'm I'm not going to let you get a look at what I can do and figure out my weaknesses and work out with you. I want to, you know, kind of not give you that advantage. But with Kobe, he's very happy to go do it. And uh, it's just uh, to think through the psychology of everything that goes through Giannis's head when he like tries to model his game after certain guys, what he can take from other guys. Like I, I just think that whole part of it is kind of fascinating. All right. 
biggest news of the of the day was uh Giannis was asked by Gary Wolfel. Um Gary asked every Bucks player about Jabari Parker because um <laughs> Gary's on the Jabari beat more than he's on the Bucks beat. Um so he asked about Jabari and he asked every player like how do you feel about Jabari Parker and the Bucks have big decisions so what do you think they should do with Jabari Parker because you know that's a thing to do. Um and Giannis kind of cut him off and said, Jabari ain't going nowhere. He's going to be here and he's going to be ready for next season. And we'll all be excited and playing in the new arena and everyone is going to be having fun. Um, So again, that was, I think the context is important in that he was cutting off Gary to like kind of just chop down that question and be like, no, we're not going to talk about that. Um, And the, the start of his answer was like, Jabari ain't going nowhere. We're not going to talk about that. Jabari ain't going nowhere. And then that whole answer. So like he was just kind of, to me, trying to chop it down and not start anything larger, but also like Jabari, like Giannis didn't need to do that. And no, he could have very easily said like other guys had said, like, we love Jabari, love playing with Jabari. I've loved having him as a teammate. I love having him still as a teammate. We hope the best for him, but you know, Jabari's got to do what Jabari's got to do. We all have contracts. We all have uh, negotiations, stuff like that. Like that was something that was said by multiple other guys. Like that whole uh, amalgamation of all those sentences I just threw together were all bits and pieces of what different guys said about Jabari. So Giannis could have said that. Like he could have said, like you know, uh, that, or he could have said something similar to when he's asked about the coach. Like you know, that's not, that's not my decision. I'm not in the front office. The front office has to make that decision. He didn't say any of that. Like he came out and gave a strong, uh, I guess, re- a strong rebuttal of what he said and kind of refuted it and just said, no, Jabari's gonna gonna be back here. So, um, what do you take of, from it? And I guess what do you think of it? Yeah, I think there are a couple sides to this. I mean, one, I think I, I would agree with what you said. You know, in general, this is one of those like, all right, you got to ask me the question, and I got to give you this answer, and it's you know, like the the expected answer is something to the effect of, we expect Jabari back, and we're looking forward to him, and you know, we're we're excited about the future, and and doing big things with Jabari moving forward, right? Like something to that effect. Yep. Um, I I kind of wonder if the because he was like, it was almost like comical how dismissive he was of it yeah um you know jabari ain't going nowhere we don't need to talk about that you know um and i i have to wonder if a decent chunk of that was because of the source of the question um like to be fair yes if someone other than it would not be the first time it would not be the first time that someone has treated a question he has asked in that way yeah because i mean that's the thing right like players are obviously aware of of how you know Gary sort of works locker rooms and, you know, tries to get people to say stuff. And, yep. you know, there's obviously a fairly antagonistic relationship between the Bucks, um, certainly more than than pretty much any other kind of the, the media types in town, right, between Gary and, yep. and the franchise. And, um, again, I don't know how much Giannis knows or cares about that, but certainly the way he answered that question made me think that um, he, again, wanted to make sure he gave no ammo to – to Gary for asking the question that way, you know? And again, I wish he hadn't have done it in that way because it will, you know, immediately becomes like Giannis wants Jabari back and Giannis, you know, becomes this thing, which in some ways is not bad because again, like 
you know, we've talked about how it used to be that GMs could come out and say, we're going to match any offer on a restricted free agent. The league now has basically come down and said, can't that's effectively, it. you can't say that because the MB, the Players Association didn't like that because it was basically suppressing competition for players. Um, so GMs can't say that anymore, but I guess players can still say whatever yeah. they want. Um, the Players Association can, can I guess, complain to, to Giannis if they want, but he's a member of their their uh, association. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it, um, it, it, it is interesting because it certainly um, would, I don't know, maybe it has some effect on teams uh, that might otherwise consider, you know, pursuing Jabari. Maybe they think, well, you know, their superstar is saying that he's that he's going to be back. So, you know, that's a data point. Um, but I, I agree as well. I mean, like you knew he was going to say something to that effect. And I think the only thing that concerns me really with it is that um, a it would be bad if the Bucks are just like determined to keep Jabari at any price, which. I think there is a price for Jabari that probably the Bucks would say no at. Um, my guess is my number is lower than their number, um, <laughs> and that that makes me nervous. Um, yeah. And then the other piece, obviously, as well, is that if if Jabari you know signs an offer sheet somewhere and then walks, then you know this is this will all get kicked up and people are going to say like, oh, Giannis is going to be pissed because he said Jabari was going to be putting back, or the Bucks are making look Giannis, you know, all the whatever the BS about it. So. I agree. Like on the surface, the sentiment is maybe like expected slash, um, you know, influenced by sort of the nature of the question that he was being asked. That may be why he acted the way he did. Um, but then again, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to say because Giannis didn't really like mince words a little bit. He kind of like very subtly. I thought this was kind of impressive from him during the playoffs. I think what was it going into Game Three? He kind of was like. We can't be worrying about, you know, they were trying to get him yeah. to talk about Jabari, and he was basically like, you know, we can't be worrying about minutes and, and shots and all this stuff. Like, we just got to worry about winning. And, of course, that's easier to say when you're the superstar and everybody loves you. Um, but uh, but I thought it was some real talk, which I enjoyed from um, from Giannis, and, and kind of, again, it wasn't like a shot at Jabari per se, but clearly it was, you know, it was in direct answer of a question about Jabari. So I don't know. I mean, I have no idea if Giannis really wants Jabari to come back or not. Um, but again, it wouldn't shock me if he preferred Jabari to come back just because he probably feels like he could still be a good player. And, you know, I'm guessing Giannis still wants to be surrounded by, by more talent rather than less. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess the, the funny part of all of this is it opens up just another avenue for people to say, oh my God, the Bucks are not treating Giannis with the dis- the respect he deserves. They're going to lose him. The clock is ticking. Like All of that can now uh, start again because of that answer uh, if the Bucks were not to bring Jabari Parker back. So um, surely it'll be fun and those comments will not be taken out of context or overblown in any way because that's just not what happens, right? Like everyone... Looks at things very rationally. Um, so I think that's about it from exit interviews. I'm not sure that there's anything else uh, that people would want us to talk about. Um, I thought those were kind of the takeaways. And I think that'll be that for today. Normally this is where I'd say would the Bucks play this time or do this or have that, but that doesn't happen in the off season. You just no, have another waiting for summer league. Waiting <laughs> for that summer league schedule. You just have another. Uh, you just have another podcast to to look forward to, and it'll be coming, and it will be tomorrow, and it'll be our the start of our coach preview that should end. I think will probably end the week. It'll run from Wednesday to Friday, so you can expect that tomorrow. For Frank Man, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks.
We'll talk to you later.